Hello, FCS Nation. It's time for your show. I'm your host, Kevin Marshall. I'm coming to you from the flagship station of FCS Nation, Fox Sports, 1450 and 92.7 KGRZ in Missoula, Montana. Joining me like he does each week is the co-host of this program, Mr. Stone Labanowitz. Stone is coming to you from his broadcast center in the sunshine state of Florida. Well, Stone, we were down there in Frisco. want to say thank you to everyone who welcomed us so nicely, treated us so well, brought us beer from hundreds and often thousands of miles away. It was a really, really cool experience. And for Jackrabbit fans, it was a great experience. They outlasted North Dakota State. Well, outlast is not the right word. They blasted North Dakota State 45 to 21 to win their first FCS national championship. Yeah, let me double down on what you said, Kev. Thank you and shout out to every listener of the show we met, every fan of the show we met, because we're all just out here trying to pump out content. The FCS is so underrated and underappreciated. And if you were down in Frisco this weekend, you wouldn't think that. You would have thought that this is the best thing going right now. These are the two best and most prized teams in the subdivision. What a weekend that me and you had. I'd say up there in Frisco, Texas, but you would say down there in Frisco, Texas. Either way, it was an awesome weekend. And shout out to everybody that we met and everybody that we had a chance to take a picture with, shake hands with, drink beer with, all the above. It was an awesome weekend, and it ended with a bang. It sure did. And I think if you would have bet yardage, I don't think you could even have gotten a bet for this game for over 900 combined yards between the two teams. Could you, Stone? No, I mean, there's no shot, right? 506 for those Jackrabbits. And 420 for the Bison, who only put up 21 points with those numbers. So, yeah, we got some yardage. We got some offensive plays that wowed us here and there throughout the game, most of them being the team that had a rabbit on their helmet. But, yeah, I was surprised that, you know, both teams put up those yardage numbers because uh, we we came into this game thinking that it was going to be a slow doozer, right? Both teams wanted to run the ball, play smash-mouth football. But, no, we got 66 points combined in this game. And it was all we could have hoped for. Stone, I think the biggest sequence of events in this ball game was when SDSU went down and scored quickly on that long run by Mark Ranowski to start the second half. It kind of deflated that NDSU sideline. You know what they were saying in that locker room. Look, they came back against us the first time. Why can't we do it to them? And that sort of took their heart, didn't it? Yeah, you can take that route, Kev. I'll let you have that. That being the 51-yard rushing touchdown from quarterback Mark Gronowski that essentially put this game on ice, right? Put them up 24 points, I believe, early into that third quarter. But for me, for me, it was both opening drives for both teams, right? So you saw that South Dakota State squad. You talked about that nine-play drive that we have, you know, covered. Isaiah Davis finished it off with, I think, a 21-yard rush to the crib that put this team up 7-0, And they got very, very creative on that opening drive. You saw Mark let it fly on the very first play of the game, a hitch to the boundary that ended up going for eight yards. A few plays later, you saw some heavy 12 personnel where they brought in an extra tight end, and Isaiah Davis got a direct snap that converted to third down. You saw some quarterback power. You saw some play-action stuff that had Mark moving, and he continued to throw the ball until they got into the red zone, and they did what they did best, and that's put the ball on the ground and execute. But I just saw North Dakota State, and I put this out on at FCS Nation Radio 1 on Twitter, that I don't think North Dakota State prepped for these guys. They didn't scheme them up. They came into this game thinking that what they had was better than what they had, and that this was just a normal football game. 
This is not the Drake Bulldogs. You need to scheme this squad up. This is the number one rush defense in all of the country. You managed to rush for only 160 yards, and that's because you didn't scheme these guys up. You didn't even give your team an opportunity. That's the one problem I had with offensive coordinator Tyler Roll and Matt Entz, right? Just not getting these guys prepared. You had a month to do so, and you didn't come with any new wrinkles, nothing that would have scared me if I was the defensive coordinator for these Jackrabbits team. For me, it was the opening drives and how both teams started the game, Kev. And we, we thought the quarterback matchup would be key, and Gronowski played extremely well, but Cam Miller had nothing to hang his hat about. He impressed me coming back from probably the worst performance of his career the previous game. I thought he played pretty darn well. Yeah, yeah, I definitely agree with you there, right? 18 of 29, 260 yards, two touchdowns. You had two interceptions, but that's because you're trying to be the hero. You're down a lot, trying to force balls in a certain window, force balls down the field. I thought Cam did play well. He rushed the ball for 64 yards, had a nice 11-yard run that had me thinking, hmm, okay, he's got something to him today. Took some shots down the field, had a nice 44-yard passing touchdown that I thought was really well executed from this Bison offense. But I did say on last week's episode that this was going to come down to the quarterbacks. And boy, did Mark Gronowski not disappoint. Only completed 14 passes out of 21, 223 yards, three touchdowns, and did not turn the ball over. Mark played a clean game, executed everything that was asked of him. Third down efficiency. Let's talk about that because this is a quarterback stat. You can get mad at me. You know where to find me. 9 of 14 for the Jacks. It's 65%. Anytime you're converting 65% of your third downs, you're going to beat the other team. It is just tried and true. We know that by now. This is what these guys do. They're efficient. When it comes to getting in the red zone, they score points. On the other side, the Bison went 5 of 12. That is obviously less than 50%. You go less than 50% trying to convert your third downs, you're going to lose the ball game. So that's where I really thought it came down to when it came down to the quarterbacks. It was a pretty clean game, too. And look, you got to give credit where credit's due. There's nobody that's harder on referees from the Southern Conference than me. And you almost forgot they were there, Stone, right? And that's if you're a referee, that's exactly how you want to be. They got the calls right on replay. And they were just not a factor in the ball game. I'm not sure if it, if it was because the score kind of got out of hand, but kudos to that SoCon staff of refs. I am very critical, but you got to give them praise when they earn it. The coaching matchup, look, you got to feel good for Coach Stig, right? I mean, he built this thing for the long term, and there have been some setbacks in his tenure there. They could never finally get over that hump. Well, they finally did, and it's easy to root for a guy like that. And Matt Entz, look, I know we have differing opinions about this, probably. I don't know if the Bison can get back here next year. I know that you're pretty sure that they won't. Uh, they need to get out and hit that recruiting trail pretty hard. We talked about that a lot after the ball game, as we were smoking our cigars and having a good time after it was over. The Bison need to hit the recruiting trail. They just need to get some speed. Yeah, both of these coaches going in different directions heading into this game. Coach Stig, obviously 204 years old. He's decided to bring in a bunch of young coaches. Offensive coordinator Zach Lewan, I believe, is 27, 28 years old. That's where the game's headed. Bring in a young guy. Start spreading things out on offense. If you have a quarterback who's mobile like Mark, you use his legs. Make a defense Think that Mark is going to use his legs on certain downs and then throw the ball. Implement new things. We saw a pop pass. We saw Mark getting outside the hashes. All of these movement throws, double moves on the outside. You saw Jackson Yankee take that double move down in the red zone that Mark threw perfectly. Like 
Stig's done a good job in bringing in young, fresh guys and keeping pass game coordination and the run game coordination, keeping that all fresh and up with the times. And on the other side, Matt Entz just stuck the same game plan that got them here. And that was just keeping the ball on the ground, throwing the ball when they had to and when they were forced to. And that didn't really pan out. I do want to touch on recruiting. I think that's big, and I think it's the reason North Dakota State does not get back here. I was on 1660 on the Insiders with Rob Hip right after the game, and I said, they need skill players. They need guys that are going to stretch the field and make a defense give a damn. They don't have those guys now. I don't necessarily think they're bringing in those guys. That is a point of emphasis for the buys in this offseason. They need to bring in some guys on the perimeter that actually scare a defensive coordinator and force you to get out of man coverage because we saw a lot of man coverage from South Dakota State because they weren't worried about the offensive skill players that the Bison had. They were able to stack the box and dial up some pressures on early downs. I don't have a lot of confidence going forward in this Bison squad. They're not necessarily reloading and didn't show us the ability to adapt and kind of get moving with the times. There was a lot of things that needed to be done game plan wise in this game in the biggest one in the brightest lights. And they didn't really give the people what they wanted. So I do think it's worry time for Bison people. Our coverage from and about the national championship game in Frisco is brought to you in part by Pine Cove Consulting. Technology made simple. Since 1993, Pine Cove Consulting has provided premier technology services and solutions for educational institutions, businesses, and government agencies. Good FCS people run Pine Cove Consulting for all your IT needs. From one coast of America to the other coast of America, Pine Cove Consulting can take care of you. Give them a call at 800-432-0346 or log on to their website, pinecc.com. We'll be right back. You're listening to FCS Nation on the Palmetto Radio Network. Thanks for sticking with us during the break. You're listening to FCS Nation on the Palmetto Radio Network. All right, guys, I'm going to play you guys the press conference after the 45-21 to beatdown South Dakota State put on the Bison. First, you're going to hear Coach Stig, a few of his players. Shortly following them is Matt Entz, Cam Miller, and a few of the Bison camp. Uh, as we said a few moments ago, first national championship uh, in school in, in Division One for uh, the Jackrabbits and also their first national championship in the entire athletic department since making the Division One jump. And joining us is their head coach, John Stigelmeyer. John, I know you've got your fan club here, but uh, give us an opening statement about the game and congratulations on your very first national championship. Thank you. Thanks, Jim. Uh, it's fun to be the first, right? Really proud of our program. Uh, I want to compliment North Dakota State uh, for their program and their tradition down here and their expectations. And it, it was it was a fun game for the Jackrabbits. And uh, uh, we're, we're, we're really honored to come away with a national championship. I love our football team. I thank God for them every day. And, uh, and I mean that seriously. They're an unbelievable group of young men. And then finally, our fan support was beyond... Uh, our imagination. So that was so so fun to see uh, them show up. So uh, it was it was it made it we made a memory. So these are our grandkids: Oliver, Henry, Elsie, and Theodore. And I promised them when we won a national championship, 
they got to be part of it. So they'll answer any questions, too, that you might have. So. <laughs> All right. Once again, name and affiliation. Uh, for those on Zoom, we'll go ahead and get to you as we move through. We're going to keep everybody in here for the national champions. So, Eric, go ahead and get us started. Uh, Eric Peterson, Forum uh, Newspaper. Uh, Coach Stiglmeyer, prior to the game, you said you'd think about it 10 seconds and forget it. But it seems like you might be thinking about it longer. But what is, what is the first national championship? Just the emotion. What, what comes to mind for you first? Uh... I I get my Eric I get my emotions and my my fulfillment through our players and so uh, honestly um, I'm I'm feel really happy for our program and maybe it's because they've been doing this so long that uh, you kind of temper the feeling a little bit but uh, really proud of our program and really happy for our, our our players and I'm happy for the guys that went before these guys because they're part of this this championship. Go ahead. We'll go front row right here. Stephen Hawks with the AP. Mark, just your emotions. 20 months ago, we know what happened on this field. And to go from that to holding these trophies, what does it mean? I mean, it means the world to me. And I, I got to thank every single person that um, has helped me along this journey. And um, <clears throat> the guys have played an awesome game today. And I'm so proud of them. But uh, I got to thank my parents. I got to thank, <clears throat> I got to thank Charlie, our, our athletic trainer, for getting me back to where I am right now. And uh, there's no better feeling in the world. We're going to go on the right-hand side, third row. Go ahead. Mark, uh, Matt Zimmer, Argus leader. Um, a lot of your former teammates were here this weekend, a lot of players that came before you. You know, Stig kind of alluded to it. Some great, great players have come through this program and not been able to win a national championship. When you hug Chris Oladokun, when you see some of those other guys like that, just what does it mean to you to be able to do this for yourself and your team now, but also the guys that came before you? And yeah, Coach Stig just makes a great, great effort just making – making the Jackrabbit family really feel like a family. Joining us is North Dakota State, their head coach, Matt Entz, Cam Miller, and Michael Tutsley. Uh, coach, we'll start off with opening comments from you, then we'll have questions for our student athletes, and then we'll go back to coach. So coach, go ahead. Awesome, thank you. Uh, congratulations, South Dakota State. Played a uh, very good football game, and I'm disappointed. I'm disappointed for our players. Uh, I'm disappointed for our seniors, guys like Michael here who've helped me be uh, the best coach that I can be and have an opportunity to recruit him, to uh, coach him when I was a defense coordinator and now to see him done with his career. Um, you know, on, on the wall of our locker room, it says those who stay will be champions. It doesn't say conference champs. It doesn't say national champs. But when you get to work with guys like this every day, this is the example of the champions in our, in our program. So um, tough to lose, hate to lose. Um, not something we like to do, not something we're going to make a habit at NDSU, but um, I'm more concerned about our players right now. And uh, shoot, they'll, they'll, they'll bounce back. I know that. Thank you, Coach. We're going to open it up first for questions for our student athletes. Uh, we do have microphones that we'll pass around. Uh, once again, name and affiliation. And then if you are tuning in on Zoom, we're going to get some of the questions out of the way here in the room first, and then we'll come to you and we'll open up your microphone when I announce you. So where we go, let's go. Devin, go ahead and get us started. Uh, Devin Fry with Valenius Live. Mike, uh, I guess, first and foremost, the rushing attack that they had today, that was the, one of the bigger factors in the game. What did you see from your perspective? How were they able to dominate so much on the ground? I think they, you know, they just executed. They executed. We, a lot of the times we were in, we were in good calls for, for what they were running at us, and they just ex out-executed us. That's as, as simple as I can put it. Um, yeah, and I, I would say just... Nothing, nothing. They didn't throw anything crazy at us or anything we hadn't seen before or anything we weren't prepared for. They just they executed better than we did. 
Right, they write it down here. Go ahead and pat Devin. Get pat. Or do we add back here? Okay. Yeah, uh, Jeff Kopak of the forum. Um, Michael, is there a moment of disbelief out there? Because this doesn't really happen to the Bison very often. Uh, no, I wouldn't say there was any uh, disbelief. Just the nature of this team and the nature of the guys in the locker room. Um, we're going to keep playing to the last second. A lot of people say that, but we, we're going to mean it, no matter what the scoreboard says. Um, and I think we just try to stay in the game, not try to let uh, distractions get to us and just keep playing. So I wouldn't say that we ever had any disbelief until the, the score was the end of the score. So to answer your question. What set apart the Jacks offense from other offenses you faced this year? Again, I think they just today, they executed better than us. Um, nothing, didn't throw anything crazy at us. They have, they have great players over there, um, and they made plays when they needed to. Thanks for hanging with us during the break. You're listening to FCS Nation on the Palmetto Radio Network. Our new coaching hire segment rolls on. Next up will be the brand-new head coach for the Towels and Tigers, Mr. Pete Shinnick. Thanks for being here, Coach. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate the opportunity to talk to you. Coach, 2019 National Champions at West Florida. So, first of all, welcome to FCS. And why Towson? Yeah, felt like a great opportunity. Um, you know, I was born in Baltimore, so know the area a little bit. My parents talked very fondly of living here. And then really, since Towson made their uh, national championship run, uh, I've, I've just kind of followed the program and just really felt like there were a lot of positives um, with the university um, and uh, the football program. And I think if you look at this university as a whole, what's taken place over the course of the last eight years, uh, a lot of exciting things uh, taking place. And, you know, the football program, it's not like they've been down and out and, you know, uh, having terrible seasons. They've, they've been competitive. Uh, I think just an opportunity to get some fresh eyes on some things and uh, a new sense of direction uh, could propel this to be a, a top FCS program. You know, you're not kidding. Stone Labanowitz and I both thought that from week one to the end of the season last year, Towson may have been one of the most improved teams in all the FCS. I, I would agree. And, you know, it's one of the first things I told the players uh, in the meeting that I had when I got off the plane and went right to a meeting with the players and just said, hey, one of the things that excited me about the job was how you guys finished the season uh, and what you were able to do and uh, what you were able to um, – uh, accomplish winning four in a row. FCS Nation, we're joined by Mr. Pete Shinnick, the brand-new head coach for the Towson and Tigers. The CAA is always going to be challenging, Coach. Add a new couple of teams in there. Do you feel like you can, if you can win at Towson, you can kind of make them Baltimore's college team, fill up Johnny United Stadium and make it an event? Well, I do, and that's part of. The, I think that's going to be part of the process. And I think if you look back on some of the crowds that they've had over the years and some of the teams that they've had, uh, obviously people like to support teams that are playing well. Uh, people like to support teams that are, uh, you know, fun to watch. And we want to be able to provide that type of brand of football here. And uh, I think once that happens and they get to know us, uh, we want to be the place to be on Saturday afternoons in the Baltimore area. What can Towson fans expect out of you offensively? Yeah, offensively, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna throw the ball around a little bit, try to get it to our athletes, and uh, you know, uh, try to use the entire field to uh, make defenses cover us. Um, we've uh, got a history of throwing the ball pretty well. Both myself and our offensive coordinator uh, have done, I think, some really good things uh, with that. But then, 
also had some really good running backs through the process as well. So uh, we're going to spread the field and uh, hopefully make people cover the entire, uh, the entire area. I know you're out on the road recruiting. Is there a lot of overlap between a top-level national championship Division II team and a Division I FCS team and the type of guys? Are you recruiting the same guys, or is it completely different? No, I think there is a lot of overlap, and I think you've, you've seen that here recently um, with the number of D2 players that have gone into the portal uh, and have gotten FCS and a group of five offers. Um, you know, our quarterback who led us to the national championship uh, our second year, uh, he ended up being a starter at UConn and then transferred and played at Idaho. Uh, our quarterback who helped us win the national championship uh, in 2019, he just – he just threw for more yards in FBS than anyone else at Western Kentucky. Uh, so I think you're seeing that the talent at D2, uh, you know, translates. Now, not every guy and not as deep. And so uh, you got to build a great depth and you got to have a great roster to be able to compete at the FCS level because uh, there are, uh, you know, there are deeper rosters and more talented rosters uh, at this level. When you watch the national championship game on Sunday, did you kind of think maybe, boy, what have I gotten myself into with the offensive and defensive line both those squads have? <laughs> well, they were very impressive, but um, it, it's it's funny because my first thought went back to um, when we joined or when I, when we when we went to West Florida, uh, North Alabama uh, had been to the national championship. West Georgia had been um, one of the best teams in the country. Uh, and Delta State had won a national champ- championship earlier, and Florida Tech had been in the playoffs. Um, North Greenville had been in the playoffs. And I remember watching West Georgia play going, okay, if they can't win the national championship, then I, I don't know who can. Uh, because it was, I mean, they had two of the more talented teams I've ever seen. With that being said, we just, you know, kind of stuck our heads down and started working and, uh, you know, started to plot our course as to how we were going to do it and what it was going to look like. Uh, we've been blessed to uh, have some great teams at that level and kind of the same thing here. Um, those guys do what they do and that's exciting, but uh, you know, we're, we're, we're going to plot our course and, and get after it the way we've always gotten after it. And, uh, I'm confident that that, that formula will lead to success. When you're looking at who you're going to recruit and where you're going to recruit, what's your philosophy? Do you want to try to win Maryland? Are you going into the tidewater of Virginia where are you going to try to find the next generation of Towson Tigers? Yeah, we, we, we want to start in this area, the DMV area, and really do a great job, at, you know, anybody within three or three and a half hours away. But we've got ties across the country also, so um, we will be relying on those ties. Uh, I think, you know, the philosophy I've always had, no matter where I've been, is, you know, if, if two players are equal and one's closer, we're going to take the one closer. If there's a better player someplace else, then we're going to take the better player someplace else. Uh, so as we do this, uh, it's really, you know, we, we didn't sign anyone in the first period because uh, we were out um, and, uh, you know, trying to get our, get our current roster taken care of. So now as guys have signed and, you know, there's limited numbers, we're going to do our due diligence for all the guys that didn't have the, that opportunity, who fits what we're looking for at this current time for this current roster. Uh, and then, you know, look at some of the areas that we've been uh, familiar with. I mean, uh, we've been in Florida now for nine years, Alabama now for nine years. So uh, there's guys across the, 
across the country that uh, we're going to take a look at to build the best uh, program that we can. FCS Nation, that's been Mr. Pete Shinnick, the new head coach for the Towson Tigers. Thanks for making the time, sir. I'm sure we'll speak more down the road. I look forward to it. Thank you for having me on. Next up on the new hire segment is Mr. Mickey Mental, the new head coach for the Weber State Wildcats. Coach Mental was the Wildcats offensive coordinator last season, and before that was the head coach at Notre Dame College, where he compiled a 16-2 and record. Thanks for making the time, Coach Mental. Really appreciate you, sir. I appreciate you all having me on. Coach, what is the one thing that you took from Jay Hill that haven't been a head coach before, you maybe didn't think that that was the way to do it, but you learned from Coach Hill. What's the one takeaway you have from that man? Uh, I think just uh, taking it day by day. Uh, you know, Coach Hill is a cerebral man. Um, I think he, he just stayed in the moment uh, better than anybody I've been around. Um, and, you know, at the end of the day, it was how do we get better today um, and not worry about anything else um, other than that. How he treated his players, man. These these guys love him, and you know, just just inter, the constant interaction he had with his players, I think, was second to none. Well, you're an Ohio boy, and what's been the biggest surprise for you moving to the mountains there in Utah? I think it's the mountains. <laughs> you wake up every day, you see the mountains, and sometimes you don't take it. Uh, think it's real, but uh, coming from Cleveland, it's skyscrapers out here, man. It's mountains and. Um, just how nice it is. Uh, the scenery is awesome. The people are awesome here. The community is all about Weber State football. Um, so that was that was a that was a big surprise. Well, recruiting is a big deal. The Big Sky's arguably, and I don't think you can even put the arguably in front of it anymore. Top to bottom, the best FCS conference there is. I know you're out there on the road recruiting. What are you looking for this season? Quarterbacks, offensive linemen, or the whole deal? I think it's just that you, how can you improve your team? Uh, kind of take a step back and, and see, you know, uh, first and foremost, we look at guys with character, um, guys that love the game of football and are passionate about uh, getting their degree. And then obviously, um, you know, I, we just want to enhance our team. We want the right fit more than obviously always the best player. Obviously, you, you're always trying to find that formula to get both. But, you know, it's about the right fit here. Uh for, for us, it's a you know blue-collar approach, man. I want a guy that's tough and, and loves the game of football and wants to win each and every day at everything he does. FCS Nation, we're joined by Mr. Mickey Mental, the new head coach for the Weber State Wildcats. When you look around at what you've got on your roster, Coach, your offense was prolific last year. The defense was outstanding. Do you feel like if you were going to take a head coaching job, you could have taken one where the product was already there? Not like this. Uh, it, it, is, it is a true blessing, and you work with great people too. My my staff that was able to stay intact, and you know, Coach Hill did a tremendous job of hiring great people. I think that's the other thing uh, that sometimes lost is you know the people that you obviously you're going to work with each and every day. But no offense, defense, and, and then obviously to have what you have a kicker, punter, long snapper, and then uh, Abe Williams in the return game and Hayes Hadley before he got hurt. I mean all coming back it's definitely an advantage uh to obviously um come in as a, a head as a head coach with the the cupboard pretty pretty full and with that also comes expectations doesn't it and when you look uh, at those you know, expectations they're pretty high there in ogden utah they want to win they've invested to make it that way and 
I think it's your job. They've given you a Cadillac. Just don't drive it off a mountain, right? Absolutely. Uh, the administration support here, to, obviously it shows that, you know, uh, that they want to see the program win. And as a coach, that's all you can ask for. Um, and then being surrounded by great people, like I, I continue to say, is is a bonus. What's been your favorite trip in the Big Sky Conference that you've been on so far? Uh, I'm a warm weather guy, so uh, UC Davis was was pretty fun. Uh, being at, being in Sacramento for the first time in my life, uh, obviously, uh, you know, playing uh, playing in California when you're a Cleveland guy, you're not going to happen. So just getting out there um, in the warm weather, uh, I'm I'm all about. Well, when you look around that stadium, when it's full, that's a really tough place to play. The sound really has nowhere to go. It, it can be cold. It can be extremely loud in that stadium. The fan support is tremendous. And if you can draw people in there, you can make that like almost like Montana where people don't want to play you there, not just because the team is good. Uh, absolutely. Um, you know, playing Ogden, uh, you know, our fans come out each and every Saturday. We have a home game, and obviously – Love their love their football. Um, you know, when this place is packed, it, I agree with you. There, there's no better place uh, to watch a football game. Obviously, with, with the mountains in the background, and, and obviously all the all the sound that stays within the stadium, and we can get it rocking when we're doing our job. When you were the OC last season, who was like one player? It can be a scout team guy, uh, you know, somebody who maybe doesn't even play. But when you looked at this kid, you thought, man. This is what I want everybody on my team to be. I think it's a combination of a Noah Tangi, a Hayden Beecham, or, or Ty McPherson. I mean, they, they just show up each and every day and want to get better and want to work. I think that's one of the the nice things. That, you know, we're surrounded by that. It's just not those three kids, but there's a culture here that, you know, football matters to them. And, you know, when you get blessed with that as a coach, you, you just – take the take the keys and and drive the car um so i think that's goes unnoticed at times is you know the type of kid that you know comes to weber state the marketing people at weber state and the athletic department must just have loved the fact that you got hired what your last name is just works into so many marketing pr firm things man it's just tremendous mental toughness you know you can go on and on and on with that right what's the best one you've heard uh, I think it was playing football uh, in Olmstead Falls is, is just taking the mental approach, <laughs> to tell you the truth. I thought that was a, a, a neat catchphrase uh, when, when we were playing football. The administration there, we mentioned it before, they want to win. What have you seen when you walked in there as the OC? What was the one thing that showed you, man, this program has what it takes, is willing to do what it takes to be Big Sky champions again, and hoist that trophy in Frisco, Texas? I think the end zone facility, but more importantly is how they treat their players here from a meal standpoint, from a gear standpoint, uh, the quality of life uh, they have in the academic building, um, and then obviously the the value of a, a Weaver State degree. I, I think that it's all encompassing on uh, making the players successful uh, first and foremost and just having everything in one place uh, w- was eye-popping to me. FCS Nation, that's been Mr. Mickey Mental, the new head coach for the Weber State Wildcats. Coach, thanks for making the time. I appreciate it. Go Cats. Don't touch that radio dial when you come right back to FCS Nation. Stone Labanowitz will return and he and I 
We'll take a look down the road and see what we think is going to happen in 2023. We'll be right back. You're listening to FCS Nation on the Palmetto Radio Network. Hey, we're back, and you're listening to FCS Nation on the Palmetto Radio Network. It's now time for Stone and I to pull out our crystal balls and prognosticate what we believe will happen next season in a very, very, very early preview of the 2023 season. Stone, I think that we're likely to see one of the two teams that we saw in the national championship game back in it. I believe that would be the Jackrabbits. But looking around the country, who do you think could have a good opportunity to get down there to Frisco? You know, easy answers, Montana State. They're the team in this playoff field that's going to reload and bring back the most guys, obviously excluding South Dakota State. But I think offensively, Montana State is going to still score the same amount of points they did this season, still play the same amount of stout defense that we saw. So Montana State's that team for me that would have the shortest odds right behind the Jackrabbits. And then when you go through the rest of the field, I don't necessarily know if there's a sleeper. Dare we say incarnate word, we backed them all season long, and they just brought in an Auburn transfer, Zach Calzada. I think they'll be a threat. Offensively, they'll still put up a lot of points, and obviously they'll get out of that conference and back into the playoff field. So you can go tit for tat with a lot of these teams, but for me, number one right behind the Jacks is Montana State. I'm looking down south, and I think Campbell will have a good year next season. Some of the guys that they brought in in the very high-rated recruiting class last season plus some of the guys they've signed on early signing day are going to make a difference. And I believe that they learned something this year that, you know, you just can't go out there and play a bunch of stars who don't have a lot of experience and expect to win, even as they move into the CAA. And that's another thing that we need to discuss. The CAA with the addition of Campbell and North Carolina A&T is going to get to 15 teams, Stone. That means that every team in that league is going to play each other twice over eight seasons. And look, that's a hell of a way to run a railroad, dude. That champion is going to be completely legit, and they're going to deserve five teams in the playoffs. Now I'm going to take my sarcasm hat off and go, what are you doing, 15 teams? And we saw how well the CAA teams did in the playoffs this season. And I'm going to put on my SOCON hat here and say, it's about time the CAA suffers the same type of fate the SOCON did when their top teams left. And they need to be downgraded. That should have been a three-bid league this season. And I think if they put more than three in next year, unless there's some just extraordinary circumstances, we'll know something's up. CAA, 15 teams, not going to have a real champion. Probably going to be a dumpster fire, we'll see. And keeping in the down south thing, can Mercer or Chattanooga finally make the playoffs is the big question I have from the SOCON. That's a big one for me, too. We had a lot of expectations coming into the season with these chat guys, and they didn't really impress us down the stretch. They lost to teams that they shouldn't have, and they just weren't playing the same ball they were in weeks one through four. So big question mark for them. I did love that you brought up the 15 teams in the CAA because it will be a dumpster fire. Right, we are going to have seven teams with the same records eight, nine weeks into the season, and that's going to be really hard to divvy out who's deserving of a playoff spot, how they want to do it. Right, Those discussions are obviously going to be very long when it comes time. Kev, I wanted to throw another team out there for you, and that's Idaho. Right, You're talking about a team with the Jerry Rice Award winner at the quarterback position. He's back. He's ready to run it back and do the whole damn thing again. Jason Eck is such a good recruiter. You see him out there on social media hitting the trail. They're bringing in guys left and right. I think this team offensively is going to be really dangerous. 
And we also saw them lose a heartbreaker in the playoffs, right? To a team that kicked a field goal with basically time expiring or right in the dying seconds of that game. So they have a chip on their shoulder. They have a bad taste in their mouth. I think the Vandals are going to be a team to look out for next season that not many people are going to be talking about. Can Sac State keep it together? Or was this a, just a few-year type of wonder deal with a great coach, Troy Taylor? He's gone. You lose Scadaboo, the running back. You know, this is not an unfair question. Were they? We know that they were contenders the last several years. Is this sustainable for them? You know, I don't want to overreact, but I do think that it's over for Sacramento State. The game plan that they trotted out there offensively with two quarterbacks DVing reps, right? You're going to throw it 50% of the time, Jake Dunaway, and you're going to throw it the other 50%. That's not going to work if you don't have the same staff who put that blueprint in, right? Troy Taylor's gone. Scatterbo's gone. He thinks he's an FBS caliber player. I just think that, you know, the time's up for them. And, and I don't want this to bite me in the butt, but I feel like I'm saying it confidently, and, and I, I, I do honestly believe that. I'm not just making that up. I think you caught lightning in a bottle. You were the team that was a threat. If you keep that same mentality coming to the season, you will get humbled. How about Holy Cross? Because I don't know if I told you about this yet, but at the championship game, as we were walking in, these two very large gentlemen saw my Citadel sweatshirt and they said, are you Kevin Marshall? And I said, yeah. And they said, well, we're Holy Cross recruits. And I thought, oh, God, here we go. I'm about to get my ass whooped in the parking lot before <laughs> the game. But uh, they were very nice about it. And, and you know, they had heard of us. And, and I actually wanted to say, no, my name's Stone Labanowitz, but nobody would have believed me. But, uh, you know, look, here's the thing with Holy Cross. Is that sustainable? You lose Matthew Saluka. He's not going to be back. Are they going to be able to find a quarterback that can do the things that Saluka did and get them right back here? They'll win the Patriot League probably, probably going away. But – Will that be sustainable to playoff success, or is the Patriot League going to go back to what they usually are, which is a one-and-done, first-weekend type of team? No, it is not sustainable. I am not off of this holy fraud train. I'm still right here. I'm still conducting the damn thing, Kev. We'll take all the slack we want to. Just what you said right there, like without Matthew Saluka, who was everything for them, they'll still win the Patriot League. So they won't be battle-tested coming into the playoffs next season. I don't care what their record's going to be, but what's most intriguing to me is their tune-up game in Week 1, whoever they get out of the FBS, which I probably should know, but I don't right now. That's going to be a big gauge for me, and typically those games aren't good games to gauge and try to say, okay, this team's going to have this kind of season because they lost by this many points to an FBS team. But I'm going to do that with Holy Cross because they beat Buffalo last year. But I think Matthew Saluka was the anchor and the biggest leader, obviously, on this team. Without him, they'll struggle. They'll get out of the Patriot League, and they'll come into the playoffs, and they will lose again. I'm still on the holy fraud train, and I'm ready to take all the heat. I think we're right this time around. I think Western Carolina out of the SoCon is another team you need to be on the lookout for. They can score points. They didn't play a whole lot of defense this year, but they played more than they did the previous season. Western Carolina is going to score but can they keep it together in a very physical SOCON? I also think Walford will be better with new head coach Sean Watson. The military schools in the SOCON seem to be rebuilding with brand-new coaches there, but competent coaches there. It'll be very interesting to see. And to end this, I think a sleeper for me is going to be UC Davis. Uh, Dan Hawkins does a fine job. They were close this season. I believe they'll be right back up there again in 2023. 
I love that pick. I think UC Davis is dangerous as well, Kev. I'm on board with you. It's time for us to take a quick time out. When we come back, we'll have the final segment of the season where Sin and I will wrap up the season, thank some people, and like we always do, we'll close it with Agent Orange. We'll be right back. You're listening to FCS Nation on the Palmetto Radio Network. Thanks for hanging with us during the break. You're listening to FCS Nation on the Palmetto Radio Network. And Stone Lebanowitz, I always tell people when they ask me about FCS Nation, what's it like to do a show all through football season? And I answer them every time that my favorite shows of the year are the first show and the last show because it really seems like work in between, right? It's not, but we really appreciate everyone who listens, supports us, advertisers, emailers, people who send us nice tweets, people that send us hate tweets, people that send me songs from animated series that are entitled Kevin Sucks. I really appreciate all of you, you know, because the fact that you listen makes what we do completely worthwhile. And I also want to thank you, Stone. I thought you really brought it each week in the first season you've been on this. We're looking forward to how this thing progresses. But mostly to you, Stone. Excellent job. Very thankful. You filled in kind of late in the process. We really didn't know each other, but I think it flowed as the season went, and I'm very proud to have you as a co-host, sir. Yeah, as corny as it sounds, Kev, I I think you are the yin to my yang and and vice versa, right? Each can be said for both of us. I I think that we bring a different energy that a lot of media in the FCS does not, and that's honesty. When I caught on to you and you reached out to me and I went and did my research and scoping and scouting of you and the show that you've put on for years on years on years, there's nobody as honest as you are. And that's why our top 25 poll does the numbers that it does, because we don't have to cater to the quote unquote government, the big heads, the suits, right? We don't necessarily do that here at FCS Nation. We are honest. If this team's better than this team, we're going to put them in here. Jackson State, if you're deserving of a top five or a top 10 spot, you're going to get it because that's how your team's playing football. And I think in the FCS that isn't covered as much as it should be, why would you waste people's time and not be honest about talent, coaching, mistakes, recruits you're bringing in? That's what we bring, right? We're going to talk about Holy Cross getting out of the Patriot League because In all reality, nobody thinks the Patriot League is a threat. And why is that? Because they're not. But I think me and you, Kev, have the cojones to say it. That's the energy we bring each and every week. And we learn that over the weekend, right? These people are authentic. These people care about the subdivision more than anything else in their lives. And so do we, right? You've covered it. You went to a school in the FCS. I played ball at Southern Illinois in the Valley, right? Both Valley teams in the national championship. Kev, we just bring a different energy, man, and it is all about honesty, and that's our strength. Well, the only thing that I tried not to be honest with my own darn self about is how good the Citadel is going to be, and I totally expect them in the back recesses of my mind to be in Frisco next season, even though I know damn well that ain't going to happen. But, uh, you know, hey, allow a fella to delude himself about certain things, Stone. But I think what you say is correct, and everything that we do – We do because this is a very underserved group of fans, and they deserve a show like this that's on the actual radio. And look, there are people in markets all over this country who didn't know anything about FCS football. Maybe a couple of teams rang their bell, but, you know, they don't switch it off the sports station. And every week they're going to hear about your team, your quarterback, our subdivision. I think it's really cool, and I appreciate you, Stone, I appreciate everyone who listens, all the emailers, advertisers, the haters, the lovers. Thank you. And FCS Nation, you know that 
We always end this thing with Agent Orange. This is not the end because it's not the end. We will be back next season, Stone Labanowitz and I. Look for us to do a show maybe once a month as we you know, move on down towards getting into next season. And we really appreciate you. And this is not the end. And that's going to bring us to the end of this season for FCS Nation. FCS Nation is produced by and co-hosted by Mr. Stone Labanowitz. The marketing director for FCS Nation is Miss Stacy Marshall. And like I always do, y'all, I'd like to remind you that life's a lot like football. You play by the rules and the penalties won't kill you. Until next season. So long, everybody. Damn it, Stone, that's my line. So long, everybody. So long, everybody. <laughs>